Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorce Podcast. It is great to have you all here today. And today we're going to be talking about long-term marriage, untangling the finances after a very long-term marriage and the myth of being able to separate your emotions from the business of getting yourself divorced. And today we've got a CDFA mediator, divorce coach, all around expert in the, in the issues of divorce and finances, Brenda Bridges. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Billy. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So your journey to divorce was a personal one, like most of ours. Can you tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Yeah, I I landed here without a plan, but it's become my passion. I was married for quite some time and I'd left my career raising the kids, doing the volunteer thing, really being the chief operating officer of the house. Mm -hmm. And then my then husband lost his job. Mm. About a year and a half later, he asked for divorce. He said he was he was done. When he lost his job, I was actually teaching yoga and and parenting and went, oh, this will not pay for college. It doesn't have health insurance and so on. I need to pivot. So I became a financial advisor and had been doing that for about a year and a half when we started the divorce process, which took about a year and a half, a little shy. And after going through that process, I said, there's got to be a better way. There were a lot of mistakes. Um, I didn't feel like so many of us do, like I could find the resources that I wanted in order to go through divorce the way I wanted to navigate it. So that's when I started down the path of learning all about divorce and became a CDFA. So a divorce certified divorce financial analyst. And then that just grew into the mediation and divorce coaching to kind of round out the part that I can support people in and supporting attorneys in the legal process of divorce. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So then I'm assuming the divorce process you went through was litigation. Actually, no, it was collaboration, but it was not necessarily, in my opinion, in in a look back, like knowing what I know now and looking back, it wasn't necessarily the most well-suited to our situation and relationship. And that's one of the things I really try to work with my clients with at the beginning, kind of matching their situation, their personalities, their ability to communicate their complexity, all the things Mm -hmm. kind of matching that to the process, because if you start out in a more aggressive process, it's really hard to walk it back. You can always start out in a gentler process like mediation. And then if that's not working, you can, I guess, how how do we say it? I hate to say more aggressive, but it it can be go to a more um, traditional litigation based model. Yeah. Once you start that way, it's really hard to say, hey, you know, just kidding. Let's let's mediate this thing. It's a great point. It's a great point. Um, The most successful mediations, in my opinion, are those that happen either before the divorce is filed 
or after the divorce is filed, but when everyone knew from day one, we're really going to do our best to, to not ever go to court on this. And everybody's mindset has been from day one, we're going to be able to work something out. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's, but it's hard. It's really hard to, to make that work. So how do you determine when you're advising people, whether or not they should try one aspect or another? Well, I think that's a really great question. And I would also qualify, I don't determine it, right? They do. And I look at it as my job to point out pros and cons and educate them so that they know they have these options. And then they pick where their heart is, where their relationship goes. And then they're much more likely to have a long-term view, like a goals-based view. They're not looking at right now in this moment, they're not even looking at just the day the divorce is final. They're looking at the rest of their lives. And how do we want this relationship to look, especially if they have kids? Mm -hmm. So if if they can project themselves forward in that story, then I find they're more likely to find the process that best suits them. And sometimes they, you know, it works both ways. They might want to mediate, like it sounds in tune with, with where they want to go, but they're just not in a relationship where they can communicate. And if they can't be at the same table, whether physically or figuratively Mm -hmm. and have conversations about difficult things, then mediation probably isn't the right choice for them. Mm -hmm. So backing up to your question, it really is kind of walking them through what is your relationship like? What do you want this to look like? Are you able to communicate and how? Um, I've had people come to me to mediate and they don't even need that. You know, if they haven't been married long, they have no shared assets. They don't have any children. They really have pretty simple and very inexpensive options. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if people are 30 years married and children, maybe grandchildren, a house, two houses, lots of assets, then they're probably going to need a much more, um, I don't know, rigorous or complex or detailed walkthrough of how to unravel that because their lives have been intertwined for so long. Absolutely. And so let's, let's talk about this idea, you know, as a a financial advisor, as a CDFA um, and many attorneys will tell their clients, you need to be able to separate your emotions from the business of getting divorced. What do you think about that? I think it sounds good. And I think in all honesty, it's impractical. Yeah. we are emotional beings. That's how we, that's how we go through our lives. That's how we walk on this planet. Right. So if someone is able to sit down and look at a balance sheet or a spreadsheet or a division of assets and totally erase their emotions from it, then that would be brilliant. And yes, separate it. It's a business decision, except it's not um, because It might be something that's monetary, like a pension. Someone might be very emotionally attached to that. If they've worked at this company for 30 years to earn that pension, it is still most likely a marital asset, but that's a really hard thing for people to let go of and just say, oh, you take, you take half of it. I get it. We've been married 30 years. So let's, let's just split it and move on. There's an emotional attachment to that. There could be, I mean, I'm sure we both see the house is very likely to have an emotional attachment for a lot of different reasons. Um, 
And frequently people want to keep the house and it doesn't matter which party they, they might've lived there for a long time. There are a lot of traditions there. There is a lot of, again, emotional attachment, but it's an asset. Mm-hmm. So do they look at it just as an asset? Probably not. It's probably hard to filter through all of that. Mm-hmm. And then even so, if one party gets the house and they don't have the financial means or understand what it's going to take to keep the house, not only from a paying the bills, paying all the associated costs point of view, but as much as you can have a lovely emotional attachment, you can have a negative emotional attachment or it can arise later. What if you weren't the one who cleaned the gutters and mowed the lawn and fixed the furnace and took care of all those things and suddenly you're in charge of doing that, but you're not equipped to do that right? financially or emotionally. I think there are so many things that are really intertwined financially and emotionally that I don't expect people to be able to make those decisions just on a financial basis. And I think that if we acknowledge the emotions of them and talk about the attachment in that way, that people can move through it and make a better logical decision Mm -hmm. informed by their emotions because they've addressed them instead of, oh no, just look at the numbers. Absolutely. I think, I think you're right. And it's also, it's, that's not true. That's not only true with regards to finances. It's also true with regards to parenting. And many Mm -hmm. times people are creating parenting plans where they're, they're, they're splitting birthdays or they're splitting the holiday in half or something like that. And they don't realize that those types of decisions now can lead to a prison later where you're not allowed to ever leave and go away with your kids mm-hmm. and they're transitioning midday. And so it's just so much of, of making a good choice about your divorce starts with figuring out where do I want to be in five years? What do I vividly want my life to look like? What might it look like? Let's mm-hmm. say I'm remarried. Let's say I'm single. What would I want to be doing with my life? Do I want to spend time with gutters and mowing the yard or do I want to downsize how much money and what assets do I need to have the life I want to live later? Mm -hmm. And I think that when we get like straight into the file, serve papers, find the, you know, what your, your neighbor, cousin, aunt, uncle, whomever says is the most aggressive attorney out there to fight for you. If you go straight down that road, without even considering that longer term vision, mm-hmm. then like we said at the beginning, it's, it's hard to walk it back, but it's also hard then to get yourself out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. If you're caught up in an aggression or a get even revenge, hurt, grief, like there's so much that can be heavy and negative about the process. If that's where the focus is, then that's where all the decisions are coming from, financial or or not. And you mentioned kids. The other thing that I see happen as they walk through decision-making, like you said, you can end up in a jail. If you're making decisions now for a three, five, and seven-year-old, and you're not projecting to when they're 13, 15, and 17, and you're parenting plan is so concise and so restrictive, you can very well end up back in court or back in mediation or angry because again, long-term goals. It's, it's, 
it's not really a short-term process, especially, and I'm not talking about just the time it takes to get divorced. It's if you've had this long life together and you have children, you are a family of sorts forever. And you're deciding what sort of family you want to look like. You know, you're not going to be living in the same house. You're not going to be doing the same things, but you're still forever going to be attached. Right. Yeah, you are. And so figuring out what is our dynamic? Can it be a healthy one? How do I get the right boundaries in place? It's so hard. It's so hard. I think taking time and not rushing into these decisions is key. Also talking to as many divorced people as you can. Have a team. Yeah. And it's really useful to not just like, especially if you're, if your lawyer hasn't been divorced, if your mediator hasn't been divorced, if they don't know, like what, what, how might it look? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are the possible downsides of this provision or this decision? Um, That can be a very useful tool. What are the upsides? What are the downsides? What are my options? Like taking time to not rush into a decision, but also not be paralyzed with indecision. Yeah. I mean, divorce is such a, you don't know what you don't know Mm. until you're getting expertise from professionals or you're talking to people. I mean, I know obviously through, through work, but through life, many people who have been divorced. And I wish when I was going through it, that I had gotten the counsel look for those people who did this the way you want to end up. Yeah. Because there are certainly a lot of people who that I encountered who I didn't want to end up like, who are still not in a good place, let's just say, post-divorce. And it could have been 15, 20 years post-divorce. That is such a great point. You know, you're, you can join these divorce support groups online. They're very available via Facebook. And then there's going to be people who are loud, but you may not necessarily want to look at them. You really want to see like, who's thriving? Mm -hmm. What what did they figure out? Mm -hmm. And sometimes where you look for that, I think in those Facebook groups are not the people who are posting, but the people who are commenting. Look at, look at those people who are like, do not worry. You're going to get through this. We do. You will. Um, So it's, it's part of it is ferreting out that positive vent or aspect because mm. you're then more likely to have a positive outcome. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not to say like, I sound like a yoga teacher right now when I'm talking, <laughs> I don't sound like a financial advisor. So I'm not saying disregard that. I'm saying they're just completely interrelated. Mm. Um, so if, if you weren't the family CFO, if, if you were taking care of operations, not money, you definitely need to get yourself educated about these decisions. You need to know what is there, what it means, what the ramifications of splitting it are, whether, you know, we talk about things or or go through when we're looking at division of assets, like how do we make it less costly to just divide them? Absolutely. And that's something that, in all honesty, it's not often considered or it is often not considered is a better way to put it, where people will just put everything in two columns. They might have 20 accounts and they divide them all in half. Well, we pay to divide those accounts if they're retirement accounts. So right. it might not be budget smart and there's paperwork to do and right. so on and so on. So it, it's taking a you know 50000 
foot view mm. of what you've got and then trying to be creative and positive in the best way to make sure people understand what they have and then how to best and sometimes creatively split it up to suit again their lives going forward suit their goals Absolutely. and people make um common mistakes like i'm going to keep the house as my settlement but you can't take the house and buy groceries with it and you can't take the house and go on a vacation with it and so on and so on like it's not we you know we call it liquid and, and we know what we're saying but basically it's do you have cash to live on it might be even on that spreadsheet but if you can't access it it's not a viable settlement and that's one thing we, we started out talking a little bit about long-term divorce that's one thing that really comes into play because if a couple has owned a, a home or been married for a long time, owned a home, have a few retirement accounts, maybe more in their assets, then it's a much higher ticket decision that they're making. And they have a much shorter runway to recover from any mistakes. So if they're not thinking about if someone is 55 or 60 and they've been out of the workforce and they're not they're, they're thinking of, I'm going to take this, let's call it $5 million and divide it in half. I have two and a half million dollars. I'm golden. I'm going to be fine. But if they had a really expensive house and all the money is tied up in that and or a retirement account, that let's not make them 60 or 65. Let's make them 57. They can't access it without penalty. Right. It's, it's walking through all the details of the reality of the finances and the attached emotions. And then can you map this on to the life you want to live mm -hmm. or the life you and your children want to have? Mm -hmm. And let's even say that you might want for your ex because you, you do in some way, shape or form, take that into consideration. I think so. I think absolutely. No one really wants to see there are very few, I should say, mm -hmm. maybe not no one. Very few people want to see their ex out on the streets. <laughs> Most of us want them to do, you know, well, especially if they have anything to do with our children, but even if they don't, you know. So how is it that people work with you? There is there are a multitude of ways. It depends on their process. Usually we'll do an intake meeting, we call it a strategy session, and talk about where they are and what they want life to look like. They talk about their goals, their situation and their goals, and then kind of match it up. I can work as an advocate. So if someone is in litigation, and usually this is the person who didn't deal with the finances, then I work with them and their attorney to figure out their financial situation, to make sure that they understand what they have and how it works, to talk to them about down the line, we, we put together, it's a dirty word, but budgets, you know, and, um, and make sure they understand it. And, and we can see a big discrepancy where they know what groceries cost every month, but not necessarily the utilities if they haven't paid them. So it's really getting into kind of the nitty gritty of living, what it costs, and then forecasting what your life is going to look down the look like down the line. That's kind of as an advocate. And when we're in the process of divorce and litigation, and I'm working as an advocate, we're also assessing financial settlements. So if an offer is made in a negotiation, it's really looking at that and saying, 
Is it equitable? Does it meet your goals? Where are potential pitfalls? And it might be things as specific as, let's make sure that pension we're talking about divided can be divided because some can't. Mm -hmm. Make sure that if we're putting a future value on something that you can't access for 10 years, it's a real value. Mm -hmm. So it it says a financial support system to the attorney in the case of litigation. That's as an advocate. And if I'm working as a neutral or a mediator, and that's more mediation and collaborative, then I'm there just to educate and provide options. Mm -hmm. So as people are working through their scenarios and their solutions together, it's here's how that might look down the road. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in that scenario, we, you know, we can chart or graph or spreadsheet it or, or however the visuals appear. When people see how what they're either asking for or proposing in a settlement, how that plays out 5, 10, 20 years down the line, and there's a huge discrepancy, in my experience, more often than not, people will take pause and go, oh, okay. I see this differently now. And they're more able to come to the table and talk about how it's going to be to live based on their fine. And this is their financial part um, instead of the, oh, wait, you know, the raw numbers of it, like that's 52% and you should only get 50. It takes it out of positional and puts it in an experience. I think what you said is so important. Many, many, many people are get stuck in, um, is it fair? Did I let him get away with something? Mm -hmm. Did she come out ahead? Did he come out ahead? Instead of what does this mean for my future? Mm -hmm. So getting into what does this mean for my future? What is my future going to look like if, if we do X, Y, or Z really will help come to an agreement that will, that is suitable for your whole family. Right, right. And if both people are able to see what does my future look like, and if both people are able to see we're both going to be okay. Yes. It just, you can, it's, it's a palpable feeling in the room when that happens in the room together where it's like, oh, oh, all right. And it, it diffuses things mm. quite a bit. So that's the, the financial neutral part. And then I also work as a coach. And in that case, it's, it's like being a thought partner for people. And sometimes, you know, a a little kick of reality in there. If someone is very hurt and they're going into divorce, like I'm going to take them to the cleaners or her to the cleaners and I'm going to get revenge. And I'm, well, if you're in a state that has very cut and dried settlement laws for child support or spousal support, if you pursue that path, you're just likely to have a very long drawn out, angry and expensive process. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, you know, here's an here's a range that you can expect. Or like really helping people sometimes, and those are hard discussions, realize that's not a reasonable expectation. Yes. Let's get someone that is. Yeah. So those are those are kind of the different modalities. Fantastic. And how do people find you? They find me. Um, website is bridgingdivorcesolutions.com. So they can find me there. They can set up a, a call. We do a discovery call and see if, if I'm the right fit or if I'm a resource, because sometimes I'm not the right fit. But you know, we are a community of professionals and can certainly point them to someone who is. 
Um, and then can I can I do a book plug? Is that do it? Okay, then um, we are soon pre-launching a book that I'm writing as a, it's really a guide when you're just starting to think about divorce, kind of here are all the things that you need to think about, covering finances, process, um, even getting into things like pros and cons of parenting plans. So it's not a be all and end all because every divorce, like every marriage is totally individual. But calling out or shining a light on some things that people need to consider that sometime, you know, in, in the race to serve papers are lost, hopefully it will help educate people about their choices and their options moving forward and how to keep centered on a long-term goal. So that'll be on Amazon. So it'll be there. You can get the book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, if you all have enjoyed this podcast, and I know I have, make sure to download it, share it with your friends, like it, leave a review. And if you're listening and you think you would be a good podcast guest on the Modern Divorce Podcast, please contact us. We would love to have you. Brenda, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. And let me tell you, thank you so much for doing what you do. I think it makes a huge difference in the people's lives who are getting divorced and generations to come, like literally their families, their kids' families, and so on. So thank you. You are so welcome. And you're right. The way we divorce does affect our family for generations, which is not something that people usually think about. So I'm glad you said that. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.